Hello, everyone. Welcome to the goddamn podcast. This is Mark Joseph Bennett coming to you from the Toyota Prius recording studio. And uh, let's just get right into it. Like a radio call-in show, we're going we're gonna to hit the topic of Tina Fey. Tina Fey, everybody. She, uh, she ate a sheet cake on Saturday Night Live. I'll tell you one thing about the story that was revealing to me is that those types of cakes are called sheet cakes. I did not know that, you know? Ooh, and it was all about the white supremacy thing. And, you know, the Ku Klux Klan, the KKK, there were the sheets on the head. Was there any tie-in? Oh, my God, the conspiracy theories. She's eating a sheet cake. They wear sheets. People were up in arms about the sketch. It's all, it's all online, all, all over the place, if you haven't seen what it is. And what it is is Tina Fey is being funny because she's funny. And uh, she's eating. She's, like, stuffing a whole cake into her mouth while she's yelling about the situation in Charlottesville. And uh, people are mad at her because what she said was basically uh, stay home and go buy a cake, buy it from a Jewish bakery or a black bakery and support those people and just stay out of the violence and don't get involved because if you're not there to be involved, they'll just scream into the air these Nazis, and no one will be there to listen to them, you know, and everybody's like, oh, fuck you, Tina Fey, you gotta, you gotta stand up, you gotta stand up to the Nazis, and that does sound, that sounds right, and really, if there's anything you should stand up to, it's the Nazis, you would think, but like, I see, first of all, so a lot of people attacked, um, well, defended Tina Fey by saying, it's satire, guys, she wasn't being serious, she was trying to make jokes, so you have two camps, one of, of defenders, uh, one defender saying, aren't we allowed to make jokes anymore? Why? What is this, some kind of uh, political dissertation? Why does she, what, why are we holding up Tina Fey to be responsible for uh, what we should do? She's just a comedian trying to make some jokes. There's that camp. And then there's the other camp who were saying that she... Um, she was being sarcastic, being facetious. Of course, she didn't mean just stay home and eat cake. She was just being, uh, she was being ironic. Now, I don't think she was being ironic. I think that, I think her statements were basically, that's kind of what she was thinking. You know, she was just trying to take a, have a funny take on it. And, um, and the thing is, I, it is the other side, the people who were against her, are screaming, oh, white privilege, you don't know. you. That's, that's easy for you to say you're a white lady. You don't have to worry about a goddamn thing, Tina Fey. You can just stay home and eat cake. Good for you. Well, there's a lot of people out there suffering. And we have to stand up to that. And I totally get that. That sounds good. But what I'm, what I'm saying is that I think Tina Fey, what her particular point was, was one that it's very difficult to say right now. And I'm going to say it, guys, because who better than a white middle-class male in Toronto to just, you know, really get to the heart of the matter on this very tense racial subject. Now, but here, here's the thing. This, this does seem like a big deal, and it is. I mean, there is racism, inequality, people acting like this. There's just no place for that in the world, and everybody should immediately tell these people to fuck off. They don't belong on the planet, and I wish we could just take them all out. But here's the thing, is uh, 
when I'm watching the news, oh Christ, the news guys, the it's just they they with the 24-hour news cycle and the clickbaity clickbait of the internet. Oh, the internet's involved, everybody. This goes deep. The clickbaiting of the internet, the the partisan news services. Everybody's making a buck. Don't think they're not making a buck. They're making money on these things. And um, they're feeding this story and making it huge. And it I'm not saying it's not a huge, it's an important story. But here's the thing. When I'm reading some of the stuff about it, they're saying um, this is the largest neo-Nazi rally in some time. I'm like, yeah, oh, my God, we're in so much trouble. Look, the neo-Nazis are gaining strength. So this is the largest neo-Nazi rally in almost 10 years. It's like, what? What do you mean? Almost, what are you, 10 years? Wait, so this is not even bigger than one that happened 10 years ago? And apparently one that happened 10 years ago had about 300 people there, and they're saying this one considerably less. They're not sure exactly how many, but certainly less than 300. So we're assuming maybe 200, 250, I don't know. But isn't that not a... It's not that it's great, but isn't it kind of good that things are... that there are less of them? It's It's... Not gaining momentum. That, that's the thing. I think what the media is trying to do is, is say things that aren't necessarily true. They're saying it's gaining momentum. Everyone's been emboldened by Donald Trump. Well, if that's the case, shouldn't the rally have been bigger than the one that was 10 years ago? I mean, I don't know. I don't, that, all I'm saying is that it looks, if you look at the facts, it looks like maybe things are going in, in the right direction. Now, the problem with this one, the reason it blow up so huge is because, A, that lady gets killed. And and then B, Donald Trump, the way he handled the situation. So I get it. So this is all me to say I understand what Tina Fey is trying to get at. She's like, stay out of it. You know, you don't need these. And people are like, oh, you're just burying your head in the sand. You think these Nazis are going to go away if you just ignore them? And it's, you know, I don't think they will go away. But it is true when you show up to demonstrate, which is maybe the right thing to do. I think probably it is the right thing to do to show up and go, no, no fucking way do you get to have a rally. But the problem is with this particular incident, you know, you got you got your crazy white guys who have a lot of guns and they are they got the itchy trigger fingers. They've been preparing to use their guns since they were six years old, maybe earlier. They come out of the womb with an AK-47 and they're just they just want they want to incite violence. They So if you show up to protest their rally, it's like they're licking their chops. They're like, oh, yeah, we've done it. Hey, hey, here we go. Let's fucking fuck you. And um, then, you know, shit goes down. But so I guess what Tina was saying, you know, is that uh, and she's probably a listener of the podcast. So, Tina, you know, if I if if I'm uh, way off here, you just let me know. I'll tell I'll tell the listeners later. I think what she's saying is that if you don't give them what they want, which is this huge platform, this big altercation, you know, they um, they'll gain even less steam as time goes by, you know, uh, stand up to them politically. uh, But it's just like these. I don't know. And maybe I'm not saying she's right because you got Schwarzenegger who came out. Have you guys seen that? It's fucking cool. I got to say. Uh, because when I was watching the Tina Fey thing, I did have a little bit of the same reaction that a lot of people had, which was, is that 
really the best advice. And then some people like say, she's just joking. But I don't know. This day and age, people are always talking about this. Oh, the comedians. And I'm a comedian. So this makes, this is personal for me. So people are like, oh, you can't make any jokes these days. Everybody takes everything so seriously. But I don't know. Comedy's kind of changed. And maybe it hasn't even really changed. Like, you know, Richard Pryor, social commentary, George Carlin. Like, we, we comedians, we always have had, you know, a, um, a subversive part of our business. It's, it's, you're always trying to point out the flaws in society. You're always trying to make things better. So you can't probably just hide behind. I was just kidding, guys. That thing I said about the Mexicans, what, what was the problem? It's like, well, you shouldn't say bad things about the Mexicans. They're, they're lovely people. They deserve equality like everybody else. So you shouldn't be just randomly, like you make stereotypical jokes. You do, you do anti-feminist jokes. You do a pile of rape jokes. You know, these things, I don't, I don't think there's a place for them. You know, I don't think there ever was a place for them. It's not like, hey, you're in the 80s. Go do whatever you want. Wasn't that great, guys? It's like, no, that's not great either. It's just finally people have clued in that, that that's, that's not a good matter to joke about. You know, and I'm not saying you can't tackle subjects. You should. You can and you should. You, like, people talking about the Bill Cosby rape thing. I mean, go ahead. Make a pile of jokes. Do the thing. Don't, you know, you can't. Don't don't make the victims further victimized, but there are things to talk about in these arenas. Like you, it's subject matters aren't completely off limits, but you can't just make a distasteful joke and then go, "Oh, you're so sensitive." Who cares? You know, it's just it's easy to you, know, you hear these male comics and they'll make these rape jokes for shock value, and you're like, "Yeah." Dude, like, do you know anyone who was raped? Probably you do, even if they haven't told you. And you just, it's not, they they wouldn't find it funny. I'll tell you that much. You know, it's just, if your parents were just killed in a horrific car crash, and then some comic went up on stage and is talking about how it's cool when people's parents are killed in car crashes, and here's why, you know? That's, you'd probably be sitting there going, I that's not cool. I don't like that shit. I had a bad experience with that. Right? Anyway. Tina Fey, I get it. She's trying to say, uh, without saying, because you can't say that. Like, I mean, you can't come out in this climate and say, hey, guys, the white supremacy thing is, is starting to go away. It's getting less and less. You know, right now it seems like it's a bigger deal because Donald Trump is in, but he's just a fucking idiot who um, responds to everything incorrectly. And uh, the white lady who was killed at the rally, you know, the, the one 10 years ago, apparently the, I don't believe there was um, a ton of protesters there. Now, I don't know. You can't quote me on that. I don't know. But seemingly less shit went down with that one but so in this today's political climate you can't say hey uh racism's getting better that is a horrible thing to say i would advise no one to say that but if you're looking at this particular situation where you have white nationalist rallies the rallies are getting smaller and people seem to have less tolerance for them which is great um, but then you have like guys like Schwarzenegger who 
Like I said, if there's a viral video going around where he says, uh, no, you have to stand up to these people. I know real Nazis. I, I was born in 1947 in Germany, and I, I, I know these people, and they died just with the, spending the rest of their lives in total shame. They were pathetic. They were losers. The losers. And he said, and then he said, if, if you had a tumor, you'd cut it out. And I think he did the tumor thing for badness, Right. Just Schwarzenegger wanted to have a viral video where he's going, if you had the tumor, you'd cut it out. The tumor. He just, he couldn't resist. I mean, it's a good analogy. Like, you know, if it's a small tumor, it'll still eventually, a cancer will, will kill you. It'll take over your whole body and kill you. So, yeah, you cut it out or you or you, you zap the shit out of it with chemotherapy, as he said. But it was just funny to hear him say tumor one more time. And uh, as an aside, I will say my boy, loves the impression of Schwarzenegger. You know that exaggerated one? It's a bodybuilder. Uh, we, I do it all the time, and he laughs his friggin' ass off. There's this, every time we go to the park, there's this bodybuilder guy who's out waxing his Porsche. I don't know where he gets all the fucking money. Bodybuilders don't have a lot of money, I don't think. Maybe he's a world champion. I don't know, know who he is, but he's clearly a bodybuilder. Clearly on steroids. And um, he's, he's always out waxing his Porsche. And so every time I see him, you know, once we get far enough away, because you don't need people to hear you say this, I always talk to Sam. I'm like, oh, this Darius is the bodybuilder. He's going to wax his car. He's going to go to the gym, make his muscles so big. <laughs> and he laughs and laughs. I mean, it's there's something, something universally funny about a Schwarzenegger accent. I'll tell you what. Oh, you know what my favorite accent in the world is? Not to go off on a tangent while I'm talking about something very serious. Is uh, I love the Christoph Waltz, his German-Austrian accent, and uh, uh, Werner Herzog. I just watched a documentary on Werner Herzog uh, about, about the Internet. And his voice, oh, my God. That's what I want to hear. All voiceovers from now on is Werner Herzog. Or maybe, you know, uh, Christoph Waltz. Either way. They're both, they both sound great, and they sound the same. Um, but yeah, like, I, you can't say that things are getting better, because things are really shitty for a lot of people. So you shouldn't say things are getting better. However, uh, there is something to be said for, they're getting smaller. The rallies are getting smaller. Sure, the people who are involved, maybe they're getting louder, and uh, more uh, brazen or emboldened, as they keep saying in the media. But uh, no, no one agrees with them. Everyone hates their guts. And, you know, hey, guys, maybe, maybe something great's going to come out of this. You know, uh, there's people seem to be coming together. That was something I saw, I, I think, Chappelle say about Donald Trump. He said... You don't know how things are going to go, and maybe the world kind of needed this guy to be there so we could all actually come together, because look how divided everybody is all the time. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you put such a shit show in office that everybody starts to go, all right, guys, we got to take responsibility for ourselves, you know? Anyway, that's all i got to say about that. Uh, I would like good things, good things to come out of it. I would like people to stop uh, being dicks. Well, you got to be dicks, everybody. And speaking of Chappelle, all right, let's talk about Chappelle for a second. Uh, he's doing a lot of interviews these days, promoting shit, his concerts or whatever he does. He does a lot of music. He's, uh, 
doing the stand-up, doing the music. He's got that Netflix $60 million contract where they gave him two specials, and then he's slated to do one or two more. I don't know what it is. But, yeah. And you know what? As long-time listeners to the podcast, you guys know that I said a while ago that Netflix is about to ruin comedy. Not Netflix, but it's just, in general, you can see the comedy bust coming because so much money is being thrown into stand-up comedy, and uh, some of it at at guys who are, you know, older. And, like, Seinfeld, he doesn't do uh, a lot of... He's he's a man is 62 or something like that, and I'm not saying he won't come out with a pretty good special. It might be pretty good, but to say it's cutting-edge comedy is, is likely not the case. And so it's just when they're throwing money around like they're doing at these big name acts and saturating the market. And then a lot of the specials that are coming out aren't that great. You know, you know, it's going to go away. And I was actually, I read an article where some guy was saying the same shit. He said, maybe he was listening to the podcast. Maybe he's a long time listener. And, uh, if so, give me some fucking credit, bud. Don't go, don't go spouting those ideas like they're yours. And he was saying roughly the same thing, that uh, you can just see comedy happens in boom and busts, and right now it's too hot. Too hot. But we'll see. Anyway, Chappelle is somebody who put out a couple specials and that people feel are not necessarily the greatest. There are, There's differing opinions. Some people love them. They say it's genius. They say it's amazing. And then other people are like, yeah, it's, you know, dated is what a lot of people say. Because Chappelle started talking about uh, the transgender community. And that got a lot of people mad. Got a lot of people mad. And um, it was basically, as far as I can gather from when I watched it, he was equating the struggle that transgender people have now to uh, the way black people were treated um, all along. And he's saying that the transgender people want everything better immediately. And this shit takes time. Look at black folk. And a lot of people uh, took that as to say, you know, that he was somehow saying they should suffer longer because black people suffered longer. And uh, and I don't think that was the case with him. What, what, one good point that was made was somebody said, Dave, do you not realize there's lots of transgender people who are black? So, you know, they all they had your struggle and have your struggle. And they also have another one. So why are you trying to hold these people down? I was like, ooh, that's a good point. That's a, that's a good point right there. Like Dave Chappelle is just talking about, look at you transgender people, you got to calm down because look at us black folk. Where's there are transgender black folk going, hey, hey, don't tell me, Dave. And I just, yeah, I think he missed the mark on that one a little bit. Uh, you know, I think, I think maybe his head was circling the right place somewhere where he was trying to tell people, you know, tr- don't get frustrated. You know, you're you're making great progress. Things take time. The world is ignorant. You know, but but he didn't. It didn't kind of come out like that. It kind of came out like, hey, fuck you. If you you think you think you you deserve equality right away, well, you don't. Like I think that's how people took it. Whereas I believe he was trying to say, like I said, the first part where he was like, hey, 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 don't worry. You know, but it came across. It's a little bit uh, shitty. And then he was talking about how he hates his wife's gay friend. Um, and that kind of also came across a little shitty. And that's I think that's why people are saying it's dated. Because 
you know, you watch Raw, Eddie Murphy or Delirious, you know, and he's saying all kinds of shit about gay people and he shouldn't be saying it. But at the time, nobody really cared. Not only did they not care, he was celebrated for it. And uh, this day and age, you know, you just should know better. You should just know better. So I was thinking after watching the special that uh, the Dave Chappelle one, that I'm maybe I'm not in the camp that everybody else is in, which is that he's a genius. Oh, he's the greatest comedian of all time. Walked away from $50 million and then he got $60 million from Netflix and everything's coming up Dave Chappelle. And it's just, and I, because I love the, the Dave Chappelle show, uh, the Chappelle show, like everybody else. Um, but, you know, this, this stand-up, it is not, it isn't exactly for me, not all of it anyway, but I, I will revisit it. I'm going to go back and watch it again. And I'll tell you why, because I've been watching Dave in the in radio interviews and stuff like that. And he's, he's never trying to be funny, really. And uh, but he is, of course, funny at times in the interviews. Um, and I think that maybe some of the problem with his specials, if there was a problem, I will go back and revisit, is that Dave has been for for like 15 years now showing up places and doing like three hour sets or he set the Guinness Book of World Records for fuck's sake. With, I don't know how long it was, 27 hours of comedy or some shit. So he is used to just getting up and uh, taking long pauses, you know, just taking his time, finding his space. And if the show is three and a half hours, four hours, he doesn't give a shit. He just keeps on going. And um, people love it. I mean, and, and it is, I mean, it's remarkable what he's doing. But then when you try to say, hey, put, do it, do an hour, do a tight 60 minutes. Maybe it's just it wasn't in his wheelhouse at the moment, and maybe the next special that comes out is going to blow the doors off the place, you know? But, yeah, that's that's why I, I think there might have been a little bit of an issue where he's just not used to doing a tight TV set. He's used to doing just a long-winded routine. Because I'm watching him when I was watching him in, in the uh, in the interviews for for all these radio shows. I'm watching him on YouTube. There's something about him that is very captivating. It's it, you can see why he has this godlike status, and uh, it didn't really come across in the specials. I felt, but it kind of comes across in his radio interviews. It changed my life. I <laughs> I think I mean that. I was watching. So you guys know, I got I got the nervous tummies. You know, like, I mean, even though I've been doing stand-up 15 years, I still get too nervous. I still, I, I keep myself from going out to the open mics and things like that because I just, I get so hell-bent on uh, on perfection. You know, I, but I, I was just watching Chappelle, and there was such a calm about him that, uh, like, they were asking him what, is, what, what does he do on his birthday. And he, he was saying, like, one of his favorite birthdays of all time, he just got on his motorcycle and uh, he just drove for, like, I don't know, 12 hours or something, and he ended up at some weird little bar in the middle of nowhere, and there was a DJ booth that had a microphone, so he just grabbed the microphone and started doing comedy, and he did, like, a three-hour set. And he said it was the greatest birthday I ever had, man. I was like, that? Like, to me, like, on my birthday to go do a three-hour set for people who don't necessarily... Now, I'm not famous, so it makes a big difference. When people are very excited about Dave Chappelle, like the place got, they, people started texting around and before 
you know, a few minutes went by, the place was packed because Dave Chappelle was in town and everyone run. And so, I mean, I guess there is that. But but what I took from it is just, just, man, just go, go have fun. Just Dave finds it fun. It was his birthday and he thought, you know what I'd like to do is tell jokes. Because it is fun, especially when it goes well. My problem is when it doesn't go well, I get too mad about it. But, you know, I was also listening to Motorhead. Lemmy was saying in the Ace of Spades today, I was at the gym, I was listening to the Ace of Spades, and I felt it was applicable. He said, if you want to gamble, then uh, know I'm your man, or something like that. Yeah. If you want to gamble, I'm your man. You win some, you lose some. It's all the same to me. He just likes gambling, man. He doesn't. Win some, lose some, it's all the same. And that's kind of like what I do. You just got to embrace the gambling. You got to get up on stage and be like, hey, I gave, I gave it a shot. You know, being nervous about it, Jesus Christ, it's just, it's like it snapped. Like last night, I just went, I just at 1130, I was sitting there watching TV. I was about to watch Marvel's Defenders. And I thought, what am I fucking doing? Just, there is, it's Saturday night. There is comedy going on. I live in Toronto, one of the best spots for comedy in the world. Not the best spot, but one of the best spots. So I just got in the car, and 20 minutes later, I'm at a uh, vibrant comedy show. And it was young people, young people, young audience members, young comedians, and it was great. And then it's like, after watching all the Chappelle interviews and stuff like that, I guess it, it played into my mind. I just... I relaxed. I was just sitting there. Now, nobody asked me to go on stage uh, because a lot of people don't know who I am anymore. But, uh, and it was late. So I didn't, I didn't want to butt my way in. I just, I sat in the back and I watched. And I just, I wrote down the jokes I would do if somebody asks me, hey, do you want to go up? And I'm sitting in the back going, I have jokes. I have this skill set. In, in fact, And this is in no way to brag because the people who were there were just people who are are generally not headliners. It was very late, and a lot of them are very young people, and some of them don't even do pro shows at all. So I was almost assuredly the most experienced comedian there. And, you know, likely I I have the greatest skill set in this particular area at this particular time. Some of these kids will get way better than me probably. But right now... If you needed somebody to close the show, probably you should ask me. It's, and I'm just sitting there going, what, what am I always worried about? For Christ's sake, one of the guys who is considered an up-and-comer here in Toronto, he got up, he was just piss-loaded drunk, and he tried some new material, and it went awful. And um, he knew it, and he just didn't care. You know, he, gave, he, was, they, he wasn't scheduled to go up, but he was at the bar, and they told him, and he's he's a guy who's always there, so they all like him. And they're like, hey, can you close the show? And he's like, yeah, okay, I guess. I'm a little drunk, but all right. And he went up and he closed the show poorly. And uh, I'm like, and he didn't give a shit, nor should he. You know, like, what am I worried about? Guys, you just got to relax. I don't know what the podcast is going to be from now on. If I'm not bitching and moaning about everything, just to be... I'll just call it the Zen Podcast. Hey, guys, just relax. Everything's great. You know, don't worry about a thing. Ignore racism and eat sheet cake. I don't know. Something kind of just snapped. Now, maybe maybe the next time I do a show, the 
same shit will creep up and I'll get all kinds of nervous and I'll be mad at myself. But I just, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that I just, I feel good. Am I allowed to feel good? I feel like I'm not. And also part of it is like a lot of the specials that are coming out from guys like like Louis C.K.'s 2017 wasn't reviewed that well. Bill Burr's special, in my mind, wasn't that great and was certainly not reviewed that well, the new one. And uh, and I love Bill Burr, but uh, it's just I didn't feel it was one of his stronger sets. The Chappelle's ones, the Amy Schumer one, like there's there's a lot. But, you know, I got to tell you that it's you can't demand perfection. Like these guys are churning out a lot of specials. And, um, that's, that's part of the reason I'm relaxing a little bit. It's like, you're allowed to not just blow the roof off the place every single time. You know, you, you do your best, you put out your material and, uh, you know, like, uh, like Woody Allen, some of his movies are great and some of them are stinkers. You know, he tries hard every time. You know, it's like, you, you just, you just have to calm down and do your best and if it doesn't go that great, you know what? Get up there and take another swing tomorrow. All right? Put out a new special next week. Well, or next year. And do your best. Now, granted, I will say that I do think that everybody needs to take the foot off the gas just a little bit. You know, and just maybe spend a couple more months refining your, your hour if you're going to put it out. But that's just me. You know, I just feel like, I feel like people will be less disappointed. But here's... Here's something I can't get. The internet trolls, apparently. It is, like, it's hard to just read a review. Now, I watch these specials myself, and I make judgments. Because, guys, I'm my own man. I don't listen to other people. But I do listen to other people. You should. If there's a, you know, a large group of people, especially critics, people who spend their time critiquing things, you don't have to take what they say as the gospel truth. You, you know, but you can... You can read what they say and disagree or agree with it, and if it's well thought out, then great. You, it's it's something worth saying. And uh, so I read, try to read reviews about these specials and stuff, and and some of them, like the Louis C.K. 2017, I thought it was a pretty good special, and it was rated fairly low low for a Louis C.K. special. And uh, now, granted, it isn't one of his finer ones, but I don't find that it it was that much of a dip in quality that it deserved. Uh, a rating like a, you know, for critics to like to dislike it so much. Especially IMDb is is one of the big ones. That's everybody goes to IMDb and they take a look at. Uh, you can a- anybody can rate it, and so the consensus. Louis has been getting eight point sevens, eight point sixes on the specials, and this one was like a seven point five, and that's a huge drop in terms of um, IMDb ratings. And then I'm reading about these internet trolls. The same ones, the alt-right or whatever they're called. Uh, apparently, Louis, I didn't, I'm, I'm going to look it up, but people were saying Louis was saying, oh, the, the, the alt-right trolls were are rating his special very low, so don't pay attention to that. And that did happen with Amy Schumer. And um, that makes me, like, this, like, that is really fucking, that's super annoying. All right? I'm trying, I'm trying to read some reviews, and yet, and now I don't know what's real. This bipartisan, or this partisan, I should say, bullshit, where, you know, if you, depending on your politics, now you got to go rate comedy specials low? Like, what the fuck? Who cares? Can you just leave that shit alone? And Roger Ebert's dead, so I used to go to him all the time for movies, and I don't know where to go. 
Now, I don't know who to trust. And, oh, and it's not that you can't make a judgment yourself. Go ahead and you watch the thing and make a judgment. But I'm not, you know, a film scholar or, or you know, and I don't, I don't know everything about the world. So when somebody, you know, so the Atlantic, let's say, they write a lot of stuff about comedy. You know, when they have a thoughtful piece about a Louis C.K. comedy routine or, or a show he put off, like I'll be reading that going, oh, these are really insightful things. Yeah, that's so. Glad to know that. But now I don't know what to do. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there's 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 no neutral ground anymore. You know, my uh, I my philosophy professor back when I was in university, he was saying this was like pre Twitter. The internet was barely going. No Twitter, no Facebook, no nothing. And he was saying this twenty four hour news cycle, you know, and this partisan news shit is really a huge problem because. And he said, us in Canada, we we actually get a decent amount of fair news. And uh, people in, in, in England, they get uh, the, what's it called, uh, the BBC, and that's pretty fair. But he was saying that, you know, in the States, they're really only getting one side of the story depending on which news network they're watching. Everybody's bought and paid for. So if you're liberal-minded, you watch your liberal news, and then you get more liberal-minded. And if you're conservative, you're going to watch your Fox and shit, and then you get more. And it's this, it's this loop where you just get your opinions reinforced as opposed to looking at the other side of the spectrum and thinking, hey, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about this. Like, like the Tina Fey thing, I thought it was, it was great for me because I'm just, I'm reading the both sides of it and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that is a good point here, good point there. And then and it, it makes me more thoughtful. To hear, like, one of the things, somebody, oh, listen to this. Somebody said this about the Tina Fey thing. She said, I kind of hope that they do have a neo-Nazi rally in New York, and then they get the, uh, what'd she say, the shit kicked out of them? But she said it in a non-swearing way. Get the shit kicked out of them by a bunch of uh, transvestites. She goes, because, do you know what a a transvestite is? He's still a six-foot-four black man. And then there were people who took some major exception with that. And at first, I like I didn't notice it, you know. But I'm a white man. I'm a white man, and uh, I thought it was a funny visual, you know. Someone dressed up as a, as as a as a big lady, you know, who beats the shit out of some white supremacist. I think that it was a funny visual to me. But there were people saying, "Hey, uh, not all transvestites are black." And uh, you're also perpetuating the idea that a big black man is scary and, uh, and violent. I was like, ooh, yeah. I didn't think of that because I'm, I'm not living that experience. You know, and it didn't occur to me. Maybe if I had thought about it for a long time, I would have come up with it. But I was like, oh, that's a good point. That is a good point. I know, like, I know she was just trying to come up with a funny visual, but it's true. She went for the six foot four black man. Saying, you know, isn't that more scary? Now, now you could, in her defense, you could possibly say, the image she conjured up to me is, when I have seen black transvestite men, they're ripped. You know, like, they're, they're, they look, because they're, they're dressed as ladies, you know, they're trying to look good, they're staying at the gym. And, like, these guys, I've, I've seen some black transvestite men who look supremely athletic. And that's, that was what was conjured in my mind. The athleticism 
But again, that's a stereotype. You know, you can't just think that. And I was like, yeah, see, there's a failing of me. I went with that joke in my mind, and I didn't consider the aspect that you're, you're pointing out that it's scarier if, a, if it's a black guy. And also you're hinting at the black guy will beat the shit out of the guy because he's violent. I was like, yeah, fucking right on. And that's why I don't mind. Like Everyone's talking about this PC. I oh, can't say anything in this PC world. Like when people get on their high horse about the wrong thing, then, you know, then I'm, I'm, I agree with the, the PC police, but you know, your words matter. Things you're saying matters. It's not just, oh, you can't just hide behind this funny. I'm just joking. You know, I don't know who said it recently, but they were saying, if you ever have to say, I was only joking, it means you probably shouldn't have said the thing you said. I don't know. And I really don't know. I am not that bright. Like, I, I'm, I'm not stupid, all right? I, I know enough to know, though, that I'm not that bright. I'm watching that Werner Herzog documentary. It's uh, really good um, about the Internet, the dawn of the Internet. And there was a guy doing a math equation on the board, on a, on a chalkboard, and talking about how the Internet works. And I'm like, how in the fuck? I don't, how does that, he's writing an equation on the board. I don't know what any of the symbols mean. And I don't know how, how does that transfer to there being an internet? Like the internet to me is like a, it's like a cloud in the sky where information is. Like, that's not it. You know, it, it's, it's complicated and I don't know how it works. And one one of the guys was saying that uh, the internet has not been realized fully yet because he says it should be invisible like electricity you know there's just electricity around you plug it in electricity works like the internet should be just in the air like i was actually picturing it and you just you manipulate the air with your hand you do what like the internet it just it exists you don't have to log on you don't type into a computer it's just the internet and uh like electricity and i was thinking yeah i don't know how fucking electricity works either i don't know like the the amount of shit that I don't know is actually frustrating at this point. I want to know something. I want to know something really well. You know? Like, I like cameras and shit. My dad just got a camera for his birthday, and I'm excited about it. And I can do research on what's a good camera and what's a good lens. But, like, I don't, I don't know how it works. I don't know how any of these things work. I would just like to know how something works for once. I wish I could understand how, what the internet is and, and how it's related to a fucking math equation. How in the Christ does that make any sense? Like they say, oh, the world, the whole world is math. How? How is the world math? And then, you know, computers are just zeros and ones. How in the fuck are they zeros and ones? How can I get a picture of a lady's titties on my computer because it's zeros and ones. How does it work? How does anything work? So I should have said this at the beginning of the podcast. All the shit I'm talking about with Tina Fey and Dave Chappelle and the transgender community. Look, I'm coming from an ignorant place. I don't know how anything works. Well, this is why, I don't know. I think it's why it's important to read both, both sides of it. 
you know, and not flip out about the mass hysteria that's happening. But when things are bad, like this, a white nationalist rally's bad, we fix it. We got to find a way to fix it. But we also have to find a way to get through to people. Like a lot of this stuff is like the guys were yelling, Jews will not replace us. And um, it's fear, man. People are afraid. They're, they're afraid they're not, they're, they're not going to have enough, that uh, they're going to be held down, that they're going to suffer. And, so, and a lot of people are suffering. That's why, you know, the Jimmy Kimmel speech about Trump was really good where he was saying to people who voted for Trump, I get what you were saying. You know, uh, you were suffering. You just wanted a change. This guy is uh, such a big change that, fuck it, let's shake up the system. But admit you made a mistake now and blah, blah, blah. Then he suggested, you know, we'll make Trump king because that's the only thing his ego will allow him to do. In order, He won't leave the presidency unless we give him a better position, which is king. So it'll be like... Uh, the Queen of England, just a figurehead who does shit all and can say whatever nonsense he wants to say because he won't affect actual policy and maybe Kim Jong-un won't shoot a nuclear warhead. You know, I got my doubts, guys. Again, let's just, let's put it on the table. I am a fucking moron, but I have my doubts that that guy has a nuclear warhead. I'm just, that's just me. I feel like he doesn't, and I feel like they want to say he does. Just like, you know, with the weapons of mass destruction. Hey, <laughs> weapons of mass destruction. Remember that, everybody? Oh, they've, they've got, I remember, Colin fucking Powell convinced me. All right, I remember because I worked at Staples. I was uh, just a kid. I just started comedy. I was 24 years old, and uh, I was in the Staples break room. And on the TV, there was Colin Powell saying, well, we have uh, uh, satellite surveillance. There are these long flatbed trucks, and they are, they they are traveling, and we, we can see inside them, and we know they have weapons of mass destruction. We're ready for an all-out war. We have to stop this right now. Here are the trucks. We see them. And I was like, oh, fuck. We got, it's true. They got the weapons of mass destruction. Go in there. Kill them. And they didn't. It was fucking bullshit, man. And uh, I feel like anytime I hear that shit, that, that's what it reminds me of. Back in the day, it's like, oh, trust me. Trust me. Do you see that? They have them. What we need to do now is go in and blow the shit out of a bunch of people for some reason we're not going to tell you about. Oh, the conspiracy theories. Guys, the Internet's involved. It's It's got a bunch of math and zeros and ones, and that's why we need to go get Kim Jong-un. Man, oh, man. That being said, I don't know if it's coming across, but I do. Like, like I told you, I feel great. I feel great. I have a, I have a one-year-old boy who, see, when he sees little dogs, he goes, woo-hoo. That's his woof-woof. Woo-hoo. And it's, it's adorable. And I just, I, I think it's a real, one of the reasons I've, I've calmed down uh, is he's a real kick in the pants to me. You know, he's, he, I got to, I'm responsible for him growing up. And um, the more responsibility I take for him, my wife did way too much shit at the beginning. I, it's hard for a dad, guys, because the wife, you know, she breastfeeds the baby and uh, and then he sleeps on her because he trusts her. And, uh, and our baby was a poor sleeper. So he was napping on her chest, waking up occasionally, drinking some milk, going back to sleep. I found it difficult to really be involved. He wasn't drinking from the bottle. It was a breastfeeding on demand. You know, I uh, tried to change a few diapers here and there. Uh, 
But it's only now where when she's gone back to work where I'm totally responsible for him from like 8, eight to 5.30. That, and it's only now that I really feel good about it. I mean, it, it, you remember from another podcast where I said I, you know, almost spilled boiling water around him. Not on him. I got a little bit on my leg. But, uh, so I'm not saying I'm not going to fuck up a bunch of shit. But I feel good that, not even just good, I feel organized. You know, I, I, we have a routine. We take, we, we do the shit in the day. And I've been going out, going out to comedy clubs and shit. My wife's like, your timing's amazing. I was home for a full year. And now is when you go out to comedy clubs, when, when you have way more to do in the daytime. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't get it, you fucking asshole. That's what I call my wife. It's how I talk to her. No, but I said you don't you don't get it because here's the thing is I, I have a routine now. Like I I know what I need to do and I feel it to me it's coming together more. We still gotta figure out the food. It's hard to cook all the food for the week, but I feel like it's coming together. So I'm I'm more free to go out. And as he gets older, I want more and more to do more shit. And you know, and Sarah works in Toronto, but she works for the federal government, so very possibly people in Ottawa will ask her to go there at one point, you know, to if she gets uh, a certain a different type of job, they'll say, why don't you come to Ottawa now? Because that's where the whole government is. And um, I want to make the best of Toronto while I'm here. I would like to stay here myself, but I'm, I know that it's not necessarily possible, you know, so I'll, and I'll do whatever's best for, for little Sam. But while I'm here, I want to go out and avail myself of the Toronto comedy community. And uh, when I went out Saturday night, it was fun, man. It was fun. I let go. I just sat around. I had a beer. I had a chat with some people I knew, some people I didn't know. Meeting people, guys. Making friends. And let me tell you something. I don't know about the United States and their white nationalist shit, but you go, you go to that comedy club in Toronto, you'll see some fucking equality and diversity. I feel... I feel a little bit weird about being like an older white dude. I'm like, I'm just, I'm the least cool person here. Everybody is a, is an awesome, you know, comic from a, from a different race or, a, you know, yeah, had some, there was this girl, some uh, Muslim black girl with a, with a hijab got up and did some great comedy and fucking this, uh, this Filipino kid with a Bruno Mars hat got up and he did some comedy and, and then, uh, just, uh, this super gay guy got up. He's hilarious talking about uh, how he's a white privileged gay dude. And I'm like, look at that. Think about that. He's talking about how he's a white privileged gay man. Like, I mean, I'm not saying his struggle is over, but for him to be making jokes about how great things are for him, like, you know, guys, look at look at the goodness that's happening. There's also goodness. There's some shitheads who, who want to dig their heels in and, and stay shitheads. But I tell you what, you go to a comedy club at midnight here in Toronto and uh, you you will think that the world is pretty good. I'll tell you that much. And that's all I got to say. I'm going to sign off. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'll uh, check back in in a couple of days. This is Mark Bennett. I'm in a great mood, guys. I'm going to go upstairs and not have a beer. Because I'm too fat. All right. See, I can't just I can't just leave it like that. I can't just say I'm in a great mood. I also have to point out that uh, 
I am gaining weight, and that's not good enough. But you know what? I'm going back to the gym, guys. But Christ almighty, did I gain a lot of weight these last five months. That's all right. Baby steps. One thing at a time. All right? Thanks again. I said shut up. Good night.